Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with inexpressible and glorious joy, for you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Uh, Thanks very much, Tom. Um, If you... uh have been coming to Gospel in the City for a while. I was reminded a couple of weeks ago, um, one of our members turned to me and said, Stephen, no one's allowed you to speak since you did that series on sex uh, before the summer. Um, And I thought maybe that was quite telling, Uh, but I'm back. (laughs) I've been allowed to speak again, and I think I'm on safer territory this time uh, as we look at this this fruit of the Spirit, uh, joy. So if you were were here last week, you'll know that that over the next few Wednesdays, we're going to be exploring the the fruit of the Spirit, these characteristics that should be growing and evident Mm -hmm. in the lives of those of us who have put our faith in Jesus, who have that that Mm -hmm. Spirit of God dwelling within us, shaping us evermore into the people God created us to be. Last week, we were thinking about love, God's incredible love for us, our loving response to him, and how our love for him should be poured out into the lives of of everyone that we meet. Today, we're going to be thinking about joy. And I wonder what things pop into your head when that word joy is mentioned. What things bring you joy? What things make you joyful? Maybe it's being with, with friends and family being out doing something you love. Um, For me, that's being in the mountains or or being on the water. Or maybe it's just sitting with a a big cup of chocolate bar and a good book. Maybe it's finishing work for a long overdue holiday, as clearly some of our members have done this week. I wonder when you think of joy, what images pop into your head? Maybe that's a very loaded question for you. Perhaps you're, you're really struggling at the minute. This last while. Maybe you would love to be sitting here this morning or this afternoon, joyful, but grief, depression, anxiety, stress, the the realities of living in this fallen world have robbed you of all of your sense of joy. You see, a lot of the time when we, we think about what makes us joyful, we're really thinking about what makes us happy, aren't we? And that's okay. When we're happy, we're we're pretty much always joyful. But the Bible tells us that we can be joyful even when we're not happy. In fact, we can rejoice even when we are in the depths of despair. 
We see that in the Psalms, especially in some of those Psalms of David, where he's in this pretty dark place and yet he rejoices. We see it in the life of Jesus. In the Sermon on the Mount, he tells people to rejoice when they are persecuted or falsely accused. We see it in the letters of Paul, especially in Philippians, a letter he writes while he's sitting in prison, awaiting possible execution, writing to a church that he loves, who are starting to also face persecution from outside and have seemingly drifted from the gospel inside. And yet throughout the letter, Paul continuously calls the people to rejoice. So there's something special about this thing called joy. It seems there's a lot more to it than we normally give it credit for. And I think that our lives, our faith, and our witness to others will get a boost from having a wee bit of a deeper look at this thing called joy. Now, in saying that, when it came to pick a Bible passage uh, for today, I really struggled. Because there isn't a big overarching passage that's specifically about joy. Instead, joy appears in little verses everywhere throughout the whole Bible. It's one of those words that is just woven through the pages of Scripture. And so in a few minutes' time, we're going to have a quick look at 1 Peter and what it says about joy. But I'm going to use different verses from all throughout the Bible that you can, you can check to make sure they're all in context. Um, hopefully they are. It's always when I worry about Sam being here. But joy is a, is a big deal in the Bible. From beginning to end, we are called to be joyful. In fact, we're commanded time and time again to rejoice or have joy. We see an example of that in Deuteronomy 16.11, talking about the, the practice of people during feasts. Um, verse 11 says, And you shall rejoice before the Lord your God, you and your son and your daughter, your male servant and your female servant, the Levite who is within your towns, the sojourner, the fatherless, the widow who is among you, at the place that the Lord God will choose to make his name dwell there forever. Everyone will rejoice, the whole family, those without family, the outcasts, the downtrodden, everyone shall rejoice. And it's repeated again in verse 14. And we see that same command to be joyful throughout the Old Testament and right into the New Testament. So we've mentioned that book, Philippians, a book written to a church facing uncertainty, difficulty, seemingly losing their focus on Christ. And they're commanded in Philippians 4, 4, to rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. The Bible tells us time and again that we are meant to have joy. And I've checked every page and there doesn't seem to be any exception, even for a Presbyterian like me. Joy is commanded for all of God's people. It's just not an option for disciples of Jesus Christ. So how does that work? Is this just a, some, some sort of cosmic version of that friend who comes up to you in a difficult time when you're struggling and makes things worse by telling you that you just need to cheer up and get over it? Just, just try harder to be happy. Just have a, have a positive mental attitude about it and it'll all be fine. Is that what's going on here? God telling us to just wise up and get over it, to just be joyful, just to have joy? Absolutely not. God never tells us to try harder 
or to be better in our own strength. Because even our very best is so far from his holy perfection. It isn't even on the same scale. So the question that we need to ask ourselves is where does this joy that we're commanded to have come from? You see, happiness is is an emotional response. It's an emotional response to something good happening. It comes and it goes. It's by its very nature fleeting. But the Bible says something very different about joy. We're told that joy comes not from feelings or circumstances or our good works or our positive attitude. Joy comes from the Lord. First Chronicles 16 uh, verse 27, in the middle of this great psalm of praise as the Ark of the Covenant is brought into Jerusalem, as God is coming to be with his people, David says, splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in his place. Joy is, a very, uh, is part of the very character of our God. Joy is where God is. And another of the the Psalms of David picks this up. Uh, Psalm 16 verse 11 says this, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. Where you are God. That's where the real joy is. And then we also want to keep in mind why we're thinking about joy today. It's because we're thinking about the fruit of the Spirit the characteristics that that we should have in our lives because God, through his spirit, has made a home in our hearts, in the hearts of those of us who've put our faith in Christ. God's spirit lives in us and the result of that is that this fruit of God's character should be growing in our lives. Where God is, That's where joy should be. And because it's given to us by God, then no circumstances in our life should be able to totally rob us of that joy. And yet, the reason that God's word so often reminds us and commands us to be joyful is because we are so quick to forget where our joy comes from. And that fruit of joy that should have sprung up into a mighty tree in our lives, helping us to stay rooted in Christ no matter what the circumstances, it's so often little more than a a tiny seed, almost invisible to us and the people around us. So how do we grow and nurture this fruit in our lives? So that when the storms do come, we can have a joy that is rooted deep and helps us to show the world around us the difference that the Spirit of God makes in our lives. That others might see that quiet sense of joy in the midst of anything and everything that we face and say, what is it that that person's got? Because I want some of that. And this is where I want to turn briefly to this little passage in in 1 Peter. And I'm not going to go into massive depth here at all. I just want to draw out a couple of quick points about what this passage teaches us about how we might cultivate 
this joy in our lives. You might want to have that just in front of you there. And very simply, I think that these verses point to two things. We rejoice because of our faith in the finished work of Christ. And we rejoice because of our future, because of the finished work of Christ. So faith and future. Joy because of our faith, joy because of our future. You'll see in verse 6, and I'm using the the NIV for this. I think you've got the ESV in front of you. I think it's broadly the same. Hopefully it doesn't counteract anything I'm saying here. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Is that NIV there? Brilliant. Perfect. So we see in verse 6, it says, In all this you greatly rejoice. In all what? Well, we see the cause for that joy in verses 3 to 5. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Peter is writing to a group of churches who are facing dispersion, Differing levels of of persecution, suffering, and hardship. And what is it that gives these people hope and joy in the midst of all of this? Well, first and foremost, it is the constant focus on their faith. What Christ has done for them and what that means for them. We see this great little summary of the gospel in these verses. The God who shows mercy and grants new birth into this living hope through the resurrection of Christ. Wow. But not only that, this passage also talks about our future. The promise of that eternal, perfect existence with God, an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. And until then, we are shielded, kept by the power of God, He is with us. He is in control, even through the trials that Peter describes in the rest of verse 6. And in fact, Peter says in in the rest of this passage that the trials and troubles of this world, if entered with faith, will actually make your joy grow because you will become even more reliant on God, the God who lured himself to be a man who went through the trials and difficulties we face and worse and is now living in us, shaping us by his spirit. Peter suggests that if we keep our focus on our faith in Christ and our indescribable future through all that life throws at us, our joy will become so great in our lives that it will be inexpressible and glorious. What a life that that would be. What would that look like to those around us? What would that look like in your homes, in your workplaces, in our churches, if this is how we lived, if this is what our lives looked like, if this is what we were showing to people who so desperately need to know the joy of Christ's saving power? I also think the placement of this passage is important. It's right at the start of this letter 
that Peter writes to these churches. And it's because Peter wants these Christians right from the beginning to remember their reason for joy, to get their focus right so that they can clearly see everything else that he has to say here. And maybe there's something for us there as well. We live at perhaps the the busiest or at least the most cluttered time the world has maybe ever known. We don't rest enough. Usually when we wake up each morning, we are thrust straight in to the busyness of the day. Maybe that time at the start of a day, at the start, just like at the start of this letter, to reflect on all that Christ has done for us will set us up for a day lived for him and out of that joy. George, uh, George Muller was an evangelist and orphanage director in Bristol in the 1800s. He's famous for his incredible faith and his amazingly effective ministry. He cared for over 10,000 orphans over the course of his life. And joy was Muller's first priority each and every day. This is what he said about it. I saw more clearly than ever that the first great and primary business to which I ought to attend every day was to have my soul joyful in the Lord. The first thing to be concerned about was not how much I might serve the Lord, but how I might get my soul into a joyful state and how the inner life might be nourished. Muller knew that the Christian life even worked Uh, Even working hard for Jesus, caring for thousands of orphans would have been a cold and empty duty if he had lost that warmth of his joy in Christ. Joy keeps us safe from serving out of a a religious duty or from losing our our hope in and our zeal for God. (coughs) Refocusing on our faith and future each day as Peter calls us to, praising God for for what he has done for us and promised to us is a great way of growing and maintaining this fruit of joy in our lives. So how are you getting on with this command to be joyful in the Lord today? Were you joyful and happy as you went to work today? Are you joyful even in the midst of a, of a storm around you right now? Or maybe you're struggling, struggling to find even that little seed of joy in your life right now. Perhaps today you can spend a little bit of time reflecting on all that Christ has done for you, all the promises that he has made to you, and maybe read some of those passages in scripture where people facing horrendous situations and horrendous circumstances can yet be joyful in the Lord. Um, Personally, one that I I am always struck by is the verses right at the end of of the book of Habakkuk. Um, It says this, Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes in the vines, though the olive crops fail, and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen, and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. In the absolute worst of circumstances for this agricultural community, 
Habakkuk still is able to say, I will rejoice. I will rejoice in my Savior because the joy of the Lord gave him strength. May the Spirit of God grow that fruit of joy in your life and mine this week and evermore as we, as we praise him and remember all that he has done for us and all that he has promised to us. And may that joy of the Lord overflow from us into the lives of everyone that we come into contact with this week. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you um, for the, the joy that we can have in you. Lord, we thank you that the joy that we have in God is not about happiness. It's not about feelings. It's not about uh, a, a perfect mindset or doing good things. But the joy that we have comes from what you have done for us. The joy that we have comes from all that you have given to us and what you have promised us for our future. Lord, we pray that we are able um, to focus on you. Lord, we pray that as we face the struggles and temptations of this life, as we face the stresses and strains of, of working life, of family life, Lord, we pray that you will help us always to remain joyful. Lord, that our joy will come from you, from your spirit living within us. Lord, we pray that you will help us to grow in the fruit of your spirit, Lord, in all of these characteristics that you have, um, that you have called us to and that you have enabled us for because your spirit is alive in us. And Lord, we pray that you will just help to nourish and grow this fruit of joy in our lives today and help it, Lord, to, to be seen and visible by those around us. That they may ask, where does our joy come from? In the difficulties and the problems, how can we remain joyful? And we'll be able to point them to the source of our joy. We'll be able to point them to you. Help us to do that, Lord. Uh, and Lord, help us now as we think a little bit more about what this joy might look like in our lives, um, in our own workplaces and beyond. Amen. Amen.